Welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written in the writing process, is what I usually say, but we are going to be talking about movies again today. I've done this once before, talking about uh, Solo, Star Wars Story was really fun with one of my friends, director. Um, today's guest is a senior writer at Give Me Sport MBA, one half of the MBA pod, and an enormous Marvel film fan. It's Morton Stig Jensen. How you doing, man? Hey, Joshua. It's going well. It's it's very hot over here in Denmark, which is not really something you would normally hear because I'm in Scandinavia. But yeah, let, let's just say global warming is real. <laughs> yeah, it just cooled off here uh, like today. Um, we just had a heat wave pass. It's like now it's like 18 degrees, which is glorious and will not stay this way for very oh. long. But, yeah, uh, I would I would love for that. We had about thirty six today, which was just yeah, brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's pretty brutal. That's what it was like on uh, the like the Canada Day weekend that just passed. It was uh, everybody was out for Canada Day, and everybody was sticky and hot, and everybody's at the beach, and the fireworks going off, and it was it was nuts. And the people running around freaking out about John Tavares on the Leafs. Um, oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. it's a big thing. Um, and I'm not even a Leafs fan, but I, I keep hearing about it. Um, hot, hot weather on Canada Day. That sounds like like the rest of the world would just go. That's not real Canada Day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, I yeah, it's always in July, so it's usually hot. Although you know what, it's been it rains a lot, a lot. Mm. On oh yeah, days. over here too. Yeah. 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 We, we share climates, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I brought you on because uh, I wanted to talk. Uh, like I said, I know you're a big Marvel fan, and. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out uh, this weekend. Yep. I know you said you've already seen it. Um, yes. You want to give uh, your like really quick thoughts? Is it is it good? Is it, is it bad? What do you what is it, what's it like? No, it's it's not bad. It's like middle of the pack. It's okay. okay. Uh, I will say as much. Like when Paul Rudd was cast as Ant-Man initially, like the internet reaction was what really that guy is yeah. that is that going to work? Like there was there were a lot of nervous folks around. And I feel in in the first one, like he did really well. Like he sort of overcame that, and and he does as well in this one. But you have moments where you kind of peek into that nervousness, where he kind of goes back to the Paul Rudd, the comedian type of uh, mentality, where you just go, that that's not really what it's there for. But I will give it credit for one thing, because uh, I, I think this one, even though there are jokes, I think Marvel has found a way to balance out jokes and action a little bit better. I feel like hmm. when you look at Thor Ragnarok, which is one of my least favorite movies actually from the Marvel Universe, I think it was just so – it was drowning in bad jokes, like drowning and drowning and drowning in it. And I feel like now they've sort of reached a really, really good balance that they can move forward with. Nice. Okay, so that's good. Um, I know you get uh, you get the movies a little sooner. Uh, yes, we right? do for so, some reason. Yeah. Yeah, in the UK. So – um, it's just coming out. Like I guess if you were going to see it uh, as soon as it came out, people could have been seeing it uh, like midnight last night here. Mm. But uh, most people will be going to see it either tonight or uh, this weekend. So um, including myself because I haven't seen it. Yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I thought it'd be cool, uh, like kind of in honor of that, to uh, go through um, the Marvel movies and rank our top ten um, each, and you know, kind of go through our, our lists and see where we differ and see what we like. Mm. And, um, there's enough movies now to do that. It's been going yeah. on for 10 years. Um, man, a lot of good movies. Um, 20 some, movies some now. Ones. Yeah. Like 20, it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I think 
probably the best way to do this since we have two lists um, and I have no idea how different they're going to be, but I, I kind of hope they are because right. I like, I love hearing the different perspectives, but um, I think the best way is to uh, kind of go through like our first three. And if one of the other persons is uh, much higher on the list, um, we'll just like, we'll just wait to talk about it until we get to the higher persons, uh, whoever All has right. it higher on their list. Yeah. So uh, we'll go for the first three first, like 10 to seven and uh, start with you since you're the guest. Well, thank you. You're going to hate me because I cheat so much on this this list. First of all, <laughs> like you know initially that I actually have a four-way tie for the number one spot. Yeah. Like I told you, I gave you fair warning. I didn't give you, give you fair warning for this, but my number 10 is actually two movies. I have 11 <laughs> on. I'm so, okay. I'm cheating. I'm so sorry. But I just couldn't. I, 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 I have these two films just equally alongside each other, and that's Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy at number 10. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, we can talk about Doctor Strange. It did not make my list. And okay. Guardians is higher for me. So we'll yeah. have to talk about that one. Okay. So go on Doctor Strange. I, I just love the acting. Like Benedict Cumberbatch is one of my favorite actors. And I think he just Indeed. really brought a, a high level of professionalism to that role. Mm-hmm. I, I think the visuals were just outstanding. Like the, this, this, basically just the, the visual identity of the entire movie. It was structured so well. I hated the villain. A fellow Dane, by the way, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Um, not a big fan of his international work. He's fine as a Danish actor, but when he goes into like Marvel and Star Wars, he's the, I, all Danes were like, oh, go away. Please don't ruin our movies. Just stick to stick to the Danes. Um, but I, I, I just love the concept of it. I love the character development of Strange. I think that was probably the best character development arc we've seen since Tony Stark. Yeah, and I think sure. that was that was something that really spoke to me, and that's why I, I have it in the top ten. Yeah, I like it too. I'm with you. I love Ben to Cumberbatch. Um, Sherlock is one of my favorite TV shows. Yeah, um, mine too. I I love that guy. He's a great actor. Um, uh, even though I think at times I it's been a little bit since I've seen Doctor Strange, but the the American accent I think it got I noticed in the pat in Infinity War that it's yeah. it's gotten better. It's uh, in Doctor Strange, it wavered a little bit, but um, it did. But uh, but yeah, for the most part, it was good. Um, it, yeah, it suffered from what a lot of Marvel movies suffer from with the villain issue. Um, mm. I thought Dormammu was like okay when they got there. It was an interesting way to end the movie. Um, yeah. And yeah, the Mad Mickelson thing, Mads Mickelson thing was. Um, it just kind of felt like a. Like, it didn't really matter that much. He wasn't even really in the movie a lot. Um, right. And right. When, Placeholder villain. Yeah. And when he was in it, I mean, he was, um, it was a lot of, like, menacing stares and just. Yeah, that's like, what he does. He didn't, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't, he didn't really do too much. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, and is it, um, was it, uh, it's Rachel McAdams, right? That's his love interest? Yeah. 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 Um, I thought she was a little underutilized, too, but, um. But for the most part, um, really good. Cumberbatch can obviously carry a movie. The visuals are fun. The like Inception, like um, mm-hmm. uh, changing of reality, was neat. And this was Marvel, you know, finally dipping their toe into like, okay, magic is real now. Because um, yeah. even till that point in like Thor and stuff, they talked about how it's like Asgardian technology. You know, they didn't right. fully say this is magic because it, it felt like it wasn't ready for that re- for that yet i guess so because they were trying to you know have a superheroes in a real world kind of thing um so yeah this was the first movie where i did that and uh yeah i definitely thought it was a success i think it's a really solid marvel movie so 
Um, really enjoyed that one. Mm. So, um, yeah, okay, so what's your number nine? Civil War. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I, I have it, I mean, a lot of people have it higher on their list, I'm presuming, because that yeah. was, it, it earned a lot of money. The, the thing I didn't like about it, it was really the, it shoehorned in Ant-Man and Spider-Man just for the hell of it. Which I, yeah. which I th- okay. just thought was kind of weird. And then I have a problem with, with the whole narrative about it because actually, I, I'm more so a DC fan than I am a Marvel fan. I mean, my, my son's name is Bruce for a reason. <laughs> okay. like, legitimately, like that's that's my Batman. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that was the same year as Batman v Superman came out and people mm. were complaining about, oh, Wonder Woman felt like pushed into that whole thing. Like there was a lot of critique about her placement in the movie. And then mm. Civil War came out and then you just kind of shoehorn Spidey in there for like no reason whatsoever other to to just introduce the character mm-hmm. and the same thing really with Ant-Man, like uh, why was he needed? Right. Just for that airport scene, which I found a little bit annoying, but if you remove those aspects, it's, it's just, you can't go wrong with an ensemble film and you'll notice a theme throughout my, my entire list here. Uh, but you have Iron Man mm-hmm. and whenever Robert Downey Jr. Is in, in a flick, I just can't ignore it. The only film I ha- I don't have in the top ten is Iron Man three, like where he's in. Otherwise, like he's there. That okay. just lifts the whole thing for me. When he and and you know when when Stark and and you know Steve Rogers go at it and and just are in that same movie where you, the conflict rises. I think that just created so many layers of continuity for the Marvel Cinematic Universe which I really liked because so many times we'd seen these films where they were dancing around like, Oh, you know, they, they were kind of jostling at each other a little bit, but this one, they just go all out. It was something that was anticipated and we kind of waited for, mm-hmm. and it didn't really disappoint. I, I liked it. I really did. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for me, I definitely, I have a civil war higher for sure. So, um, yeah. I'll, I'll wait to dive into that too deeply. So, uh, okay. So then, um, your number eight, Iron Man two, Iron Man two. Okay, so that did not Iron make my list. So let's let's talk about Iron yeah. Man two because I I am a, not a fan at all of Iron Man two. Okay. Yeah. So this will be so this should be interesting. Uh, yeah. No, I, I want to hear your take first. Okay. Okay. Go for it. Okay. So um, I here's the thing. I really like the first Iron Man. Um, right. It set everything in motion. I felt like the next one suffered from sequel sequelitis big time. Um, okay. And I I didn't. I just couldn't buy Mickey Rourke's whole thing and, you know, like, where's my bird? And, you know, like, all that stuff. Like, it just came across so silly. Whiplash wasn't a great villain. Like, he, he didn't really do much. He wasn't intimidating. He he cut a car in half. I guess that's kind of cool. Um, he barely did anything with those whips at all, really. Um, I mean, so just, like, the, it was the first really let down for me for the villain uh film wise and you know this was early on mcu um there was a typical corporate bad guy behind all of it um that those just those typically just bore me instantly um because you know their motivation hammer bored you yeah yeah i couldn't get it yeah yeah i just i knew as soon as i saw him i knew i already knew exactly what his what his motivations were what he wanted and i just he brought a lot of energy um, mm. I'll give him that, but I, I couldn't, I just couldn't get into it. Um, obviously Robert Downey Jr. was great. Um, he's still great, but, uh, it yeah. just, it just felt like they were trying to do the second one and, or the same thing as the first one. And it, it just was, it just fell flat. 
I feel for the second part, I, I think that actually developed Tony's character more so than they tr- they were trying in Iron Man three to really like dig into co- Tony's core. Like, oh, yeah. he'd been in outer space briefly. Like, he was so close to dying. Yada yada yada. PTSD. Yeah, that that like, that was fine. Fair enough. But I think the real character development of Tony Stark Iron Man was in. Iron Man Two, he got mm-hmm. closer, indirectly closer to his father because he realized, oh, there was there was something hidden for him, a project. Like it, it, it involved him as a person. At the same time, you had Don Cheadle coming in to play War Machine. I thought he he did so much better than Terrence Howard in the first one. Yeah, I thought that was a huge upgrade. And then I just love Sam Rockwell. Like, like I mean, yeah. I get that there were no motivations behind it. Like there was no, yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't any sinisterness or whatever. But the energy he provided at Justin Hammer and the sheer amount of buy-in it took from Sam Rockwell. Like he just, mm-hmm. he dove into that role and he was not afraid to make a complete ass of his, of himself. If that was, you know, if, if that was re- required, like yeah. he just went all in and gave it everything he got. Yep. And I, I immensely enjoy films when I see an actor go all out and enjoying so openly enjoying the role that he has. So I felt that just heightened the experiment for me. Experience, not experiment. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I really like Sam Rockwell too. Oscar winner Sam Rockwell now. Um, yeah. He's yeah. He's a great actor. Um, it oh, wasn't. It wasn't. Wars was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it definitely wasn't his fault. I mean, I don't. I don't think a lot of it was the casting choices. I just think it was the story. Just was so. It was so predictable, and the action was so. Yeah. You know, there was nothing I hadn't seen from the first one, and. Um, yeah, just, don't you feel that, that most Marvel films are very predictable in terms of like? Their yeah, plot? because they all yeah. have it. They follow a set structure that's all the same. Mm. But it's it's about how um, how I think how tightly they are able to do it. The, the acting typically is great in most of them, um, but uh, I I think that's why I think some of the newer films, uh, the way they've been able to keep it fresh is by finally you know allowing directors to add their voice into these mm-hmm. movies and not just have, and you know, they follow the, the formula still, but there's much more like a Thor Ragnarok now, like even though you said like you didn't enjoy it, like that's a very Taika Waititi film. Yes. Um, whereas like, you know, early on, um, it, with Iron Man, um, Edgar was it, it was Iron Man, right? With, or was it uh, Ant-Man? But one of them, um, I'm trying, I'm forgetting now. I think it was, no, it was Ant-Man, I think with uh, Edgar Wright was supposed to do it. And, oh, it was John Favreau was supposed to do Iron Man. Uh, the second Iron Man, or he did the second Iron Man, but that was a studio. Um, yeah, he did the first thing. and the second. Right. So he was supposed to do the third one, and then he just kind of bowed out after because of how much the studio was pushing on him to do the second one and make it, you know, the way they wanted to make it. So early on, the point is that Marvel was very hesitant to allow directors to do just kind of what they wanted because they had this formula, and it was supposed to be like a winning formula. And, of course, it was. But they wanted to stick very tightly to it and produce movies that way. And it was not until recently that they've allowed sort of directors to, because they're safe now in a sense, um, right. to uh, to sort of just do their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that that's that's my thing with Iron Man too. But um, I can I can see why uh, why you'd like it. I mean, like I, like Robert Downey Jr. is great. He's one. Of, he's arguably the best character in terms of like you know, actor to character right. roles that we have in the Marvel uh, universe. So, Oh yeah. Not, and not, maybe not even just Marvel universe. Like he just, he has the same grasp of that role as Benedict Cumberbatch has to Sherlock. 
Like there's yeah. that same level and, and Hugh Jackman to Wolverine. There's yeah. just that no nonsense approach where you just know this is going to be quality. Mm-hmm. And, and partly that, this is why my list is just so filled of movies involving Tony Stark. He, he alone raises the bar so much for me that I just, I, I cannot ignore it. Yeah. He's every, every second he's on screen. You can, he's, you know, you're watching him. You're invigorated. Yeah. He's fantastic. Completely. He is. he is. He is Tony Stark. Like, if, there's, if you're doing one of those questions where you're like, what actor is born to play what character? Like, he's got to be high up there. <laughs> for, like, Undoubtedly. He's yeah. literally, he in his real life, he's pretty much Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but more artsy. Yeah, but, yeah but more artsy, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, what's uh, your seven? Age of Ultron, which was much criticized. Um, mm-hmm. But and but but what I liked about it was it wasn't the second meeting of the Avengers. Like you when with the whole intro, like they talked about oh we've been around, like we've tried to locate all these pieces, whatever. Yeah. Like it, I just love the fact that they kind of skipped over that, so it wasn't like every time the Avengers are on screen, it's like oh this is the second time we meet. Like they that they mm-hmm. had formed this sort of uh, teamwork mentality to some extent, like they were just working in this cohesive unison still obviously with their struggles like because on every team even even the Golden State Warriors you have issues here and there um and I I just love that approach so much that they they were kind of focused on the whole you know unity of it like it, it, it I I really dug the way they just set it whole the up because you had Tony creating Ultron which became this first thing that they all disagreed about, like where the first infight happened. It's like they took, you know, some of the key moments there is in every relationship mm-hmm. and then just kind of put it on film. So in the first Avengers, this is where they had to learn to work together, whatever. And then this one, their first internal strife. Yeah. Which then obviously in Civil War came to like that that was the lead into that. Um but but yeah, it, it's the way it's tied together. I think it's an essential film to put on a list. Like if you are a new Marvel watcher and you just don't have the time to watch 20 films uh-huh. and you have to shorten it down to like five or six films, Age of Ultron, I feel, is absolutely essential to understand the entire framework. Fascinating. Okay, so see, I don't have Age of Ultron on my list either. <laughs> um, it'd be very different, but I enjoy it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So okay. So so for me, um, I, a lot of the stuff you're saying, I agree with. Like, there's stuff in there. There are a lot of moments in Age of Ultron for me that I really like. Mm. Um, like the party scene is fantastic. Everything yeah. that happens at the party scene, great. They're trying to lift Thor's hammer. Hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. Captain America moves it a little bit, and Thor's face is priceless. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Um, I, I felt Ultron was a little lackluster um, because the trailer actually, you know, they took out that line, like the go-to line in the trailer, there are no strings on me kind of thing. And I, when I saw the trailer, I thought, oh, this guy's awesome. He's going to be badass. He's going to be great. And then when I watched the movie, I found, I just found the direction he was taken with, you know, being very quippy, being, you know, he, he isn't, yeah. he's an Iron Man product, so it makes sense. Um, but he just, he felt like a second Iron Man, but, you know, the bad version. And I felt like I'd kind of seen that already. Um, right. And so he just sort of, and again, yeah, just a villain that, you know, and in, in an Avengers movie <clears throat> in which the first Avengers movie, um, Loki was great. I'm a big fan of Loki. Um, and I just, I just thought that he didn't, he didn't up the ante, which is what, you know, 
when, if you're going to keep making these movies, um, especially with superhero type movies, um, that's something he's supposed to do. So again, in that way, I felt like, again, there's more sequelitis. Um, but uh, it definitely has moments. Um, but as a whole, I just, and with when I rewatch it, I feel like it almost gets weaker um, with every rewatch. The score also is a little more muted in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought it back more for Infinity War, but the, the first oh, yeah. one was it was it's all over the place, and then they muted it a bit more in uh, the second one. So I think that was intentional, to, it, yeah, actually, to try to enhance. You know, this yeah. th- this isn't like their their first hurrah. Like mm-hmm. this is now they're more established. It doesn't have, you you don't really need the hoo ha behind it all. Mm-hmm. Like they just come into it. I will say this in terms of upping the ante. I, I think what Ultron did in terms of just destroying Sokovia <laughs> by lifting it off the face of the earth was in terms of obviously led to the Sokovia uh, Accords and all that. Like it had a lot of lead-ins to to, to future films or tie-ins. But I love the fact that he actually put a mirror up against humanity. Like here he was moving into the internet and the first comment he made was, no, no, this is all wrong. Why, why? Like the lack of understanding of why humans act the way that they do I love that. That you know, obviously, it wasn't as hardcore social commentary as you, as you would get in other films. But I love the fact that Marvel did go a little bit political on it. I I, I kind of appreciated that because, like, he was raising a good point. We are human beings who are doing terrible things to each other all around the world, and he just, as a machine, is looking at that and just going, does not compute. Like he does not make sense of it. And his entire solution is. Well, we have to rid ourselves from all this evil because he views himself as some sort of savior. And I always think villains who comes from a point of view instead of just being evil for the sake of being evil has a little bit more um, importance to their character. Like they have a certain amount of weight that goes a long way. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, those are my favorite type of villains too. They should be everybody's favorite type of villains. Um, yeah, I think they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, a villain without without a true motivation, without a real reason, without a good reason, because villains don't think they're the villains. Um, you know, that's that's how you make a good one. Um, this is also the movie that introduced Vision, which is cool. Uh, yeah. Um, especially if like you you know I, I like Paul Bettany a lot so. Um, it, it's neat to see him come in. Um, it's also, I think, really the first time people started thinking about the uh, Tony Stark as the actual villain um, yep. sort of narrative. <laughs> that uh, you know that he's the one who keeps he keeps messing up over and over. Um, in Age of Ultron, it's not uh, it's not really his fault because he's like all he gets you know kind of uh, mind the guy it's goes into his mind for a bit and he's kind of like mind controlled sort of for a bit so he has that seed implanted in his mind anyway um so it's not entirely his fault but you know uh, now there's been multiple times <laughs> since that movie that people have point to that say you know if tony stark hadn't done this we would nothing none of this would have happened we wouldn't be here and there and yeah um yeah. so that's kind of interesting i think that's kind of neat um just to have that uh sort of secondary a viewpoint for Tony Stark's character. Um, but yeah, that kind of started here. And um, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot in that movie. Again, it's not one of my favorites, but I, I appreciate it for what for what it is and what it does. Mm. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, my number 10 is Ant-Man, the first one. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I struggled a bit between putting on Ant-Man, 
uh, or Doctor Strange, um, which didn't make my list and we talked about, or uh, what was my other one? Um, oh, the first Thor didn't make my list. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, even though I like them. So I like all three of those movies, but uh, one had to make it, and I chose Ant-Man um, because when I think about it, it's such a breath of fresh air from the other Marvel movies where it's a smaller film. Um, it's not a, there's not big consequences to it at all. It, you know, if what's going on with all the other heroes, like it doesn't matter. Like the, the plot of this doesn't matter much at all. Um, you right. know, like, like any other hero could have gotten rid of yellow jacket. Uh, again, not a great villain. Um, kind of a silly plot with him. He's a little bit of a over animated character. Um, but and, and again, uh, a copy, right? Like a copy yeah. of the protagonist. Yeah, a copy again. Um, but you know, Michael Pena is hilarious in that movie. I find him so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like that they're doing heist stuff. Um, I like his origin story of uh, you know, and and him going in and he, uh, trying to steal stuff. But it, in the end, it's all for his daughter. Um, and it's. I think it's I think it's just a different kind of movie that that I that is it's fun. Um, it doesn't take, take itself seriously at all. Uh, Michael Douglas is great because uh, he's always great. Um, Paul Rudd is like you said. A lot of people were like Paul Rudd, really a superhero, but <laughs> yeah. but he fits because that superhero is sort of like a you know you don't expect him to be like just super jacked and stuff and whatever. He's he's a guy in a suit that shrinks and you know yeah. that's changed in the in in the sequel I should say. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. that dude is ripped. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean. I, that's great for him, I guess. <laughs> it's one of those things. Like, I don't think there was a shirtless scene in the first Ant Man, was there? I don't remember. It's admittedly, it's not the first thing that comes to mind when I think back at movies. But yeah, uh, there, I know there isn't this one because I saw it on Wednesday. So okay, yeah. so there isn't that one. See, I don't think there was in the first one. But either way, it's not like he's not in not in shape or whatever. But um, but yeah. yeah, and then you know, there's stuff like the. Um, they did cool things with it in terms of like you know how much can you do with somebody who shrinks and eventually grows and stuff. Um, mm. He uh, the train scene um, where they're fighting. Oh, Thomas on, the train. Yeah, they're fighting on that little train set. That's hilarious. Um, all the, all that stuff is it's just fun. It's enjoyable. It's it's one of those movies you go and you see and you go that was fun and you walk out and you know it doesn't have a huge impact on the rest of the Marvel. Um, universe, uh, poor Falcon, he gets beat up by Ant-Man, which kind of yeah. felt like, you know, everyone was already like, whoa, Falcon, like, yeah, everybody cares about Falcon, and, and in this movie, he just gets smacked by Ant-Man, so, um, yeah, but, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. It is, it is, it, ab- it absolutely is, I mean, uh, I think the first Ant-Man is also visually more impressive than the second one not to spoil anything but i I think they were a little bit more creative in the first one Uh and i think overall when you look at the level of creativity in the visuals department i think ant-man has to be number one right like if you if you look at it from like an entire perspective of all the 20 films like you had all the shrinking and the way that it was just filmed I, i thought it was a beautiful movie like these, the special effects, like they were just yeah. so well crafted. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree. I'd say that it's probably true. Yeah, I didn't really thought of that, but yeah, it is. It's definitely the one of the more top scene. Like, yeah, yeah. It's definitely one of the more creative ones for sure. Yeah. Um, especially since it was a movie that like, um, it was trying to be funny, 
Like, it, mm. like so, like, it, it, ha- it was able to do jokes. Like, it could do things, like, shrink something ridiculous. Like, a Thomas the Tank Engine... And yeah. just like people be laughing and like, okay, that's hilarious because like it, it's it's Ant Man. I mean, come on, the guy's name is Ant Man. You're not gonna take him that seriously, and it's Paul Rudd. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's got a villain that's like shrinking sheep and going like, yeah, sheep. Oh my god, I shrunk it. Look at this. It's amazing. He's like running around and uh, you know. Yeah. So, no, you're right. It, yeah. it doesn't take itself too serious. Like it gauges its own product in a sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and we see that that's what I, what I also like about Ant-Man not the movie but the character like he's still in awe about Captain America and, yeah. and like the whole gang like he still feels that he's a significant level below those guys yeah. which I kind of feel is, is kind of similar to how people watch the movie like yeah it's fun it's okay but the, the Avengers it is not like, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with Ant Man at all. But yeah, no, it's it's an it's an interesting point. It it feels like the movie, like in between all the other Marvel movies, where if you were kind of like if you're inhaling all these Marvel movies and then you exhaling all these other big Marvel movies, it's that point in between where you kind of just go like, <gasps> and you're like, okay, like that's yeah. that moment you get the moment of levity you get to just be like, pause, okay, because um, it's it's just it isn't like any of the other ones. Uh, so yeah. that's why I like it. I made it on my list number 10. Uh, yeah, and that's probably where it will stay. Okay, so my number 9 is Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm, yeah. Is yeah. that uh, is that higher on your list, or can we talk about I, it? I, that was, that's the next one for me, okay. number 6. Okay, um, we will, okay, we'll wait to talk about that one then. Um, Spider-Man is my favorite uh, Marvel character in general, just in the comics and in movies and TV shows and everything, so... It, it used to be the same for me. I had so many Spider-Man comics growing up and figures and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. just won me over. So yeah. now he's my he's my second favorite. But yeah. it's a, it's a close one. I'll give you that. Like there's Iron Man, Spider-Man, and then there's a major drop off in terms of Marvel characters. So those two are definitely yeah. yeah. And in terms of like all superhero movies, um, I still have, I love the original um, Spider-Man two. I have Spider-Man two mm-hmm. still really high. I love that movie. Um, okay, so my number eight is the original Iron Man. Oh, yeah. That, that's one of my, my top four. Okay, so we'll wait to save that one. And then my number seven is Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, that's also one, one of my top four. Okay, sweet. Okay, so we will move to your number six, which was Spider-Man, right? That was Spider-Man. Okay, yep. so we're right to Spider-Man. All right, sweet. Yeah, I mean, look. What can you say? The Peter Parker, not the, any sort of rich boy, like struggles like everyone else. You can identify with him, the young dorky kid, uh, just realizing he has these, or not even realizing. Th- this is part of what what I also love. Like they, for, they didn't forget; they just skipped the entire origin story because Lord knows we've seen it. Like away with that, and they just went straight right, right into the action. Like he was swinging about and doing his thing. Mm-hmm. I, I love that we just arrived to this thing where he was like, what am I? Am I supposed to be an Avenger? Am I supposed to be this everyday hero? Like, And he just followed his own instincts. Mm-hmm. And that conflict with him and Tony, like Tony wanted him to be this on the ground thing. And, and Peter wanted to be more than that. I, I thought that dynamic was really interesting because it played to his ambition level, which I think, I think was really true to the comics because when you look at the comics, especially from like the 90s, you saw a very motivated Peter Parker who was like, he, he didn't really lack confidence. You know, when he was Peter Parker outside of the Spider-Man costume, yeah, sure, he was an awkward dork and, and sometimes in, you know, acted like he was an awkward dork. 
But as soon as he put the suit on, there was a level of brassness and, a, and, a, and an ego, but not a negative ego, if you catch my drift, like a very positive ego, a lot of self-confidence that just came out. And I think that showed in this in Homecoming as well, even though he's like supposed to be 16 and insecure. But as soon as he put on the mask, like, nope, I got this. I love that ability to, to put that in film because I did. that's one of the things I feel we missed out on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man version with Tobey Maguire. I always felt that when he put on the, the Spider-Man mask, Tobia, that is, that it was sort of like he was nervous, he was skeptical, he was like a little bit abrasive. But here with Tom Holland, he just jumps straight into it, and I love that activity. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's um, – I really liked the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man because he's the first uh, – big movie spider-man and i was like and you know younger when i saw him so um it just kind of sticks with me um since i was like a kid when i first saw the original spider-man which i believe right. is 2000 or 2001 um so you know 2002 I, was the first one. Oh, 2002 okay so i would have been in grade two um oh so, i was 16 so yeah yeah so I, I was a little kid so i remember when it came out and going to see it um with my parents and uh it, w- it was cool so that's why it always kind of stuck with me with toby mcguire but um but i really like tom holland he's definitely um that the kid who's also a hero which yeah like you're saying we didn't really get to see this sort of spider-man before because even in the original um sam raimi version um he's in high school for like the first 20 minutes ish <laughs> yeah. and then he's like i'm off to college and you're like okay so we're not right. seeing that version of spider-man um and this movie feels very like um um directed by watt uh feels like a very uh like john hughesian type movie oh um, interesting. Yeah. yeah i feel like even um uh, zendaya who plays uh mj yeah. Uh, different kind of MJ in this movie. She's channeling. Um, I'm blanking on her name, but you know, you know the character from the Breakfast Club. Um, uh, Mo- the- Molly, 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 Ringwald? Molly Ringwald. No, uh, not her. The other no. one, the one who's like uh, the dark and dreary and everything. Oh, gonna- yeah, no, yeah, that's I, not her. Yeah, I'm blanking on her name for some reason right yeah, now. But I but her, I, I read somewhere, heard somewhere that she was kind of channeling that character. Oh, while she was playing MJ, which makes sense when you watch it back. Uh, because they are like if you watch those two movies, uh, they're very similar in in terms of, um, you know, what kind of like high schoolers they are and yeah, coming of age. Yeah, coming of age, and even the way they they the things they say and all that stuff. And you know, it's right there in the title, right? Homecoming. It's a yeah. it's a very um, teenager type movie, and I think that's what they wanted was something that like yeah, this is what Spider Man is supposed to be like somebody like kids can connect to, high schoolers could connect to, right? Um, and uh, the whole thing with Michael Keaton being the villain. I mean, how like how awesome is it to have Michael Keaton back in yeah. superhero movies? Oh yeah, like he, he's one of the best villains we've had, which yeah. is partly why I have have this movie up there. I mean, yeah. because he's not like physically imposing. He's not like his his you know the vulture identity is not frightening or anything. It's his demeanor. It's his acting. It's yeah. his reacting. It's it's just the, the 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 component of I don't even know what to call it like because Peter's a teenager and he's like fifty there's there's some sort of you know authority yep. factor yep. coming in over it which I think is is very interesting and then obviously like Keaton is just a brilliant actor which just sells it so well like m- much like um, 
oh, I'm blanking right now who uh, who went in on – like I, I was talking about a guy who was – Sam Rockwell earlier. Like oh, yeah, yeah. a guy who just dove right into a role. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the same uh, with, with Keaton. Like he doesn't care. He goes into a role. Like he doesn't care about his own – you know, the, the static of noise coming from outside. He understands, oh, I have a role to do. So I, I'm buying in 100% and I'm just delivering. And you could just feel that. It, it, it carried so much weight. And also – like, come on, the Childish Gambino cameo was just great. <laughs> I love Donald Glover. That was awesome. Like, he, And he called, hey, Miles. I lost my you-know-what there when yeah. I heard that. That was awesome. Uh, I have a question for you regarding Spider-Man. Don't you feel that Tom Holland has actually been the best component, like the best combination, really, of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Because the way I look at it is Maguire was the best Peter Parker, and then you had... Garfield, who was like by far the best Spider-Man because he brought the energy. And then you somehow found Tom Holland, who was just he's so brilliant at balancing balancing these two identities in a way that I felt none of the other two could, because Garfield was just too cool to be Peter Parker. And McGuire was just too emo to be Spider-Man. Yeah, the first, the first. See, I'm not a big fan of um, the first. Amazing Spider-Man's okay, and then I do mm. not, I do not like the second one at all. Electro, no. I, and yeah. I think I checked out of that movie the moment that Jamie Foxx's teeth stuck together when he transformed into Electro. Like his teeth really pushed together, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I do I agree. I think for the most part, um, I I definitely thought. Uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was too cool. Like with the first one of the first scenes you see him, he's like skateboarding through right. s- through this high school through school or whatever. And you're like, ah, like Peter Parker was never that guy. This you know he has the the hair with the hair gel and he's skateboarding yeah. through school. That's not him. He's he's more like like you're saying like the Tobey Maguire where he was had the glasses and everybody's pushing him around. And um, but in terms of Spider-Man, I agree. I think the only thing that sets me. Uh, in my mind, it pushes apart Garfield and uh, Holland is the, that again, we had a Spider-Man who he was getting out of high school. And so he feels like he's already a, a man at that point. Whereas, uh, Holland's got that he, because he is smack is supposed to be in the middle of high school. He's got that whole, um, feeling of wonderment that goes along with everything that he does. He's going, this is really cool. Right. This is awesome. In civil war, you know, like when he's, First, he first shows up. The whole time, he's going, "Okay, Mister Stark, this is amazing. I get to finally fight. I'm here. This is great." Like he's, he <laughs> yeah. doesn't even know. Like this is like this is supposed to be like really a big intense battle with a whole bunch of friends who are like fighting and they shouldn't be fighting and they're you know potentially death. Um, you know, and and he's sitting there like, "This is great. I get to be part of the team." Um, it's yeah. he's very much that that kind of Spider Man, and um, I like it because that's that's what he's supposed to be. So. Yeah. The Eternal Optimist. Yeah, the Eternal Optimist. Um, yeah. Also in that movie, uh, his best friend Ned. I, I like that character. Yeah. <laughs> Some people were like kind of out on him, but I I don't know. I liked him. I thought he was funny. Yeah, he, he was okay. I, I the the sidekicks once in a while they annoy me, but they don't really have such a big impact on the film. Like whatever it is mm-hmm. that it bothers me to that extent where I go, oh, I'm gonna slot that picture down because a sidekick. Like yeah. no. Oh, that's fine. Did, did it did it bother you how much Iron Man was in the movie or no? 
I wanted him to be more involved. Okay. I mean, because we saw very little of Stark. Like the yep. way he was built, like he was on the posters and, yeah. you know, and then he was in the movie for like what felt like five minutes. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit disappointing to me. But at the same time, after after I watched the movie and I came out, I was like, oh, that's a kind of annoying. And I started thinking about it, like, oh, but you know what? It allowed Tom Holland to really spread his wings. And it was like Tony was still like hovering over the entire film in a way. Like he, he was still there. He just wasn't there there. Yeah. And, and that, and that kind of worked for me, especially on the second viewing. Yeah. I like him there as the kind of insert father figure, especially with – Marissa Tomei being Aunt May. Oh, and, yeah. You know, in the past of Robert Downey Jr. and Mr. Marissa Tomei. Um, although it is it is a little hilarious to watch Tony Stark say, like, you know, don't do this because you're going to get in trouble doing this or whatever. And you're sitting there, and as a viewer, sitting there going, Tony Stark, you've, you've caused so many problems. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> like, you know, okay. Um, yeah, the whole, like, you don't deserve to be a hero because of this. Okay, well, mm. you know, you're breaking the rules all the time, so don't chastise the kid for that. Uh, but anyway, Who's yeah. the next on May going to be? Marco Robbie? Oh, my God. Like, they, they, they just keep getting younger. <laughs> they do. They do just keep getting younger. Dakota uh, Fanning or something. I, I would feel very uncomfortable if Margot Robbie was an Aunt May because then I'd be extremely attracted to an Aunt May, and I don't... That's not right. <laughs> um, well, don't knock Marissa to May. She's a very attractive woman. Um, I'm just a very young man. Um, <laughs> okay, so that was your number six, right? Right. Okay, so what's, uh, what's your number five? Black Panther. Black Panther. Okay, I have that higher. So we yeah. Will no, I get that. that. One. I get that. I was. I. I actually wanted to put that tied for fifth, but I just thought that would just be too cruel because that would be half my list <laughs> with, with being tied. So I had to, yeah. to separate it. Just I, I really cannot find a a black spot on 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 Black Panther. Really, no pun intended. Like it's it's just so good. I was so fortunate because. My wife and my son and I were in, in London uh, when it came out, and that was a week earlier uh, than you guys got it. Yeah. And we were watching it in this giant IMAX theater, but but in 2D, because I hate 3D, hate it. And so proper 2D, and we had center row sit tickets, and everything was just perfect. And like that entire crowd, like that atmosphere, like when you walked out of the movie, people were just like, Oh, they just nailed it! Like people were just talking, and and like you could just sense something special had just happened. Mm-hmm. I I mean, the and it's more than just this representation of you know African American or African African really. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's something that where you, like I mentioned before that Marvel went political. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt they did this here, but in a different way. Like they took sides here. Like they really took a side and said, you know what? Let's let's put something that's not been covered to the same extent up on the big screen. Let's really create something that's magnificent, that is beautiful, that is written gorgeously, and and let's do it justice. And it did. It. I I am in awe of Black Panther. Yeah, um, it's really high on my list. Uh, I love that movie. Um, and we will. Uh, we'll. I'll dive into that i guess when we get there but yeah I, i'm in total agreement that sounded like it sounds like an amazing experience to go see it i believe i also saw it in imax i typically go to see the biggest movies of the year in imax if i can yeah. and um 
that was one of the ones I believe I saw in MX. And uh, it's, we don't it's have that here in Denmark, which is like such a problem. So that's why it was like additionally exciting to me that oh, okay. oh we actually got a chance to watch this in IMAX if, because the only IMAX we have here is one where they insist it being 3D. Oh, and okay. I'm just like, nope, nope, you're not getting me in there. I don't want to. If you ever have a chance to come to Toronto, um, go to the Scotiabank Theater. Uh, oh, it is. It's huge. Uh, it's yeah. got multiple IMAX theaters. Um, you have nice. to take an escalator just to get up. <laughs> to get awesome. up there. I've been to Toronto twice. Beautiful city. If yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you're ever back, go there. Um, and if you, there's something you really want to see, go. Because um, I believe they usually do have, um, because they have multiple IMAX theaters, they'll be showing 2D showings as well as 3D. Right. And uh, the, the, I've found like, that's like the best theater I've ever been in. It's obviously it's nice. more expensive because it's, you know, it's in Toronto and it's the theater, but it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't mind. Like, if you, if you have to shell out bucks to to go see like a Marvel film or a DC film, you know, that comes out like three or four times a year total, like that's fine. It's not like you go there every day. It's okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so that was your five, right? So what's yeah. your uh, four? Well, that's the thing. Now we're going into the tide one to four. So Ooh, right. Just, oh, okay, okay. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll go, we'll go to mine and then we'll come back to that. Um, okay, so that means, so, okay, so my number six is Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that, we uh, talked about that previously. Yeah, I had that as number nine. Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, we've talked a little bit about it. The airport scene is like the scene from that movie. Right. Um, but the movie really hinges on, uh, it's, it's a Captain America movie. It is. It's an Avengers movie, but it's also a Captain America movie. And it really hinges on Cap's uh, relationship with Tony Stark, with Iron Man. And it all culminates in the end when um, Stark finds out that Bucky killed his parents. Right. And uh, the movie, I was kind of surprised at how like, emotionally locked in I was <clears throat> to a Marvel movie. It, it, this was the movie that... You know, the Russos had done Winter Soldier, and it got them this, and mm. they knocked it out of the park. They had to deal with so many characters. They had to make sure the relationships uh, were good. Um, the villain is like, okay, some people really like him. Some people forget about him. He's all right, um, but it's, that's not really what the movie's about. So it, it's okay that he's not fantastic, um, right. in my opinion, anyway. It's, it's mostly about, you know, do I care about Captain America and Iron Man fighting at the end when they're just exchanging blows and the lights behind them, and you really just see the two silhouettes, and you're watching them yeah. fight. Are you upset because you don't know who you should be rooting for? That's that's the feeling you want to get. And I think the Russos knocked that out of the park. Um, so I think it's I think it's a really well, good. Well, I know why I, I rooted for. I will say that. Okay. I mean, and that's part of why I have Civil War down there because I I I'm so clearly on Team Iron Man mm-hmm. in this one. Okay. I think and the Cap knowing that Bucky killed his parents and not telling. Tony, sure. That was such a dick move. That that, that <laughs> yeah. just that made. I, I have a. I, I feel that that moment right there. That's when I was. If I was ever on the edge of like, oh, I would lean this way or lean that way. No, like that one just pulled me over completely to to you know Team Stark. Like that was just. Yep. That from there on out, I was rooting for for him. And when he lost, like when when Cap got the better of him, that was just so annoying to me. Like, nope, shouldn't have happened. Nope. Yeah, uh, I mean, at least, so the good part is at least uh, you can understand why Cap did what he did. 
Uh, Obviously. He, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. so obsessed with Bucky, and Bucky's his best friend, and everyone else from his time is dead. He can't believe that Bucky's alive. Um, mm. You know, this his relationship with Bucky, and then it will continue on ever since Winter Soldier and continues on. That this is like... He really cares about this guy a lot. Um, he's the one connection he has from his time, and and seeing him, you know, all the things that have happened to him since then, as a as a character who like is the the Boy Scout sort of of the Marvel right. universe, it just gnaws at him constantly. That you know that's his thing. He needs to fix this because uh, this but is. It, but it blinds him though. It does. And that's yeah. And that's that's the problem I have because he, I mean when it blinds him, then then this righteous mentality that he takes on. It's just not it's not an accurate portrayal like that's that's wrong like I feel he's getting too high and mighty when mm-hmm. you know he's just ignoring where he is like he lives in the past <laughs> he's really trying to and he's ignoring everyone who's reaching their hands out to him in the present day and, and I just oh that that it just bothers me like that that relationship with Bucky like I loved it in in Winter Soldier, which is also on my list here in, in the, the tie because oh that's amazing. Okay. But I felt like they kind of poked at that whole angle a little bit too much in Civil War. Like we get it, you have a boner on for him. We get it. <laughs> like don't don't again. We we get it. Like we don't have to rehash it. Yeah, I I honestly it didn't i totally understand that it didn't bother me too much how heavily they're leaning on it it's been a little more recently because it's it's like it's been it's cap's whole arc it's been his arc for a while now that he's trying to save bucky and and you know bucky's kind of in and out as the good guy bad guy anti-hero whatever he is uh, mind controlled Mm -hmm. not mind controlled um you know so and he and he's an okay character i wouldn't i'm not like um super into Bucky. I, I, but I, I enjoy him as a character. So, you know, anyway, the, the movie for me, it worked because I was invested by the time we got to that point. And, right. and I knew that, you know, for the movie to work, it, you have to be invested by that point. Um, you have to care one way or the other. And I did. So I thought that the movie succeeded and, um, all the other parts kind of just felt like, you know, a cherry on top. The, the, Airport scene is one of the best scenes of Marvel movies, but uh, you know it's not it's not a defining feature of that movie. I don't think. I would agree. Yeah. I, I will say, I mean, in terms of caring, I, I I don't think there's been a Marvel movie where I I mean where I didn't care. Okay. I mean they they've succeeded in all twenty to some extent or the other. Like obviously, some movies will make me care more. Yep. But they've all succeeded in having me go, oh yeah, I, I'm invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a huge, like that's a huge compliment. It really is, you know, because <clears throat> like I, it's one of these things where I don't think I'm not sure anyone could ever reproduce what the MCU is doing now. Um, and like even like you're saying in that point of I you care about pretty much every movie that they put out, uh, and I'm pretty much in the same boat for most of them. Um, it's usually like the sequels that I'll find myself having sometimes harder to care about. But that's like because I've already met this character and I did care in the first one. Um, so for the second, uh, for the MCU, like even Star Wars just recently showed with Solo that, you know, there it's really hard to keep building out great movies over and over. Yeah. And, you know, Solo was a box office for, for what it was supposed to be a uh, failure. And the MCU just hasn't had anything like that. Every, oh. every single movie has been like people have enjoyed for the most part. Um, and lots of people have gotten, like people have gone to see the, all of them. So 
you know, it's it's kind of crazy that they've been able to just keep doing it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So my number five is I think you said it's not on your list at all, but Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Can do it. I I mean, look, I've had this debate. I have a Danish film podcast as well. Okay. And we've had this debate. Like we, we're three guys, and both of those guys love it. That's fine. I mean, I get the appeal. It's I'm, I'm not like a complete idiot who just sits there and be stubborn. Like it just didn't speak to me because mm-hmm. I'm not interested in the jokes. I'm okay. not. That's not. That's not what I'm there for. I'm there for the character development. I'm not there for for the for the jokes. And I failed in Ragnarok. If you removed like twelve of the worst and most obvious jokes from that film, it would just improve it significantly. Because here's the thing: it had a good story. It was beautiful like it was shot beautifully it was just a gorgeous piece of art and i think when you have that going like it's i felt we were served this magnificent dinner with like you know filet mignon and then with all the jokes that was just the ketchup you took up uh, you know on it like ketchup on filet mignon is just like a no-go right and oh i was just so upset at the end because i felt it was wasted potential like that, the whole thing with uh, with with Bruce Banner jumping out of the plane, like I'll get there. Like you just knew he would hit the Rainbow Bridge, like before he turned into the Hulk. Like you just knew everything was just so. Oh come! Well, they they've like, done that joke before too. Oh yeah, with the uh, uh, no wait, was that a joke? That was in the first one where he jumped down and hit it. Yeah, yeah, with Edward Norton. Yeah, Edward Norton. Yeah. Yeah, right in the first one. That's right. Yep. And I was just like, oh. There was just there was just so many jokes, 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 jokes. It was it was just too much, um, and and I felt they missed an opportunity because I just I loved the overall interplay between Thor and and Bruce Banner. I I think that pairing was excellent, and it became just such a jokey thing at the end where it's just like ah, I I. I, I was always invested, but I could sense myself becoming less and less invested as the movie went on, which is, I feel is pretty unfortunate because I felt it was a decent villain for a change. And again, as I said, just beautifully shot. Beautifully. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was gorgeous. Uh, I also loved the score. I thought the score was yeah. great. Oh, yeah. A very, like, retro 80s type, mm-hmm. uh, type of score. Synth. Um, I really liked that. So this was the movie where Thor became one of my favorite Marvel characters. And <laughs> I think yeah. I think it's because not just because of the jokes, but because um just how he seemed to be allowed to be more free flowing. You know, it right. wasn't just they didn't they didn't Taiko Atiti kind of did away a little bit with what, you know, originally Eric um was it uh Banna, uh, Banna did the first Thor, and he's a very, uh, you know, Shakespearean, he's a Shakespearean actor, he's a very, uh, like, you know, he's just like, you could feel his, like, English style just, like, bursting through the Thor, like, even in the character's dialogue, he Mm. had to be that, uh, talking like the actual Norse god Thor, kind of. And yeah. even, even though if you uh, are really a big mythology nerd like I am, um, there, there was a lot of it, 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 he didn't he wasn't really speaking the way he probably should have been. Um, but anyway, right. like it was that sort of uh, style anyway. And this movie was a lot more like you know okay he's been so you can 
you can still say that it's fine because he's been to Earth now multiple times and all that stuff. He's you know, right. tries to blend in or whatever. So like he doesn't have to talk like that a lot more. But now he's for free to be. It felt like he was freed up to be more just himself. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but I just no, felt I like. Yeah, I just felt like Thor was more like the character that I I just I wanted him to be instead of like him being held behind these bars of like here's the mm. here's the you know the language barrier kind of thing that he needs to deal with and um I I just felt like he was uh, the character that I expected him to be in Asgard in his home uh, land and whatever worlds and all that stuff. Um so aside from him, I mean uh, all the action sequences I really enjoyed. Uh, Tessa Thompson, I love, and she needs to be in more oh, yeah. movies. Um, she's fantastic. Uh, if you saw, um, I wanted to say Arrival, but that's wrong. Annihilation. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. It's really good. It, is that's the Netflix one, right? It might be on. It might be on Netflix now. I don't know. I saw it in theaters, but uh, okay. Oh, okay. Then I actually. Then I am misremembering what that it's, movie is, but I'll, the, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll find her on IMDb. She's doing wonderfully in in Westworld as well. Yeah, it's the that movie was the all female cast that starred Natalie Portman and uh, Oscar Isaac from Star Wars. Anyway, um, she was in it as one of the characters, and uh, everything she's been in has been fantastic. In Thor Ragnarok, I love her character as Valkyrie. She's you totally buy her as as this character um, mm. who's become like an alcoholic because you know she she <laughs> yeah. fled and all these things she's seen and um, she had to leave and. Uh, she becomes like sort of a romantic-ish um, partner with Thor, but at the same time, they don't fully go into that, which I appreciated because I was like, they don't, we don't need this, especially after Natalie Portman just yeah. being gone. Um, the Doctor Strange cameo is great. Oh yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. Where he, the part where he's dropping Loki through time and space for thirty minutes is hilarious. I I yeah. laughed out loud. Um, I, no, that's, I that's that, see that's that's an example of good humor though. That's one of the good jokes. Like those are the ones I can really appreciate because you can just sense that there's been an entire writing staff sitting there yeah. for hours on end, going, "Okay, how can we just visually show how superior Doctor Strange is to Loki?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought that scene was funny. Um, it's it's good that. Um, Odin was in Norway. I enjoyed that. Um, mm. they, they, they have a lot of those little, you know, pushes, uh, references, obviously. Um, I liked Cape Blanchett, but I felt like I was liking Cape Blanchett more than the actual character. I felt, yep. like, I felt like her character was a little thin, but like, but she put on an acting tour de force. So and she does. Yeah. So I, I liked her. Um, but I I always feel a little weird when I say that she's one of my favorite Marvel villains, even though there's not that many that I really like. Mm. But because at, at the same time, I feel like her just her motivations are a little thin. Like she she comes back because she's, you know, she's been ousted and Odin dies and now she can come back and she can take over Asgard. But uh, besides from that, you know, she just kills everybody because she can because she's the goddess of death, blah, 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 blah. There's not too much else to it. She has this one goal. She doesn't have any extra reasoning for anything. Um, right. You know, so there's not that much to it, but she is a fantastic actress, so it worked out. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's all great. The the Hulk stuff is cool. The they further his character a little bit. He's been Hulk for oh, yeah. a long time. He's able to talk now. They more than just like one word. That's kind of yeah. Neat. That, that'll do it when he's been Hulk for two years. Yeah, their their fight in the stadium is yeah. is really cool. Oh, that was great. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and like, it's a friend from work. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> that was also one of. That, I mean, there were absolutely golden jokes in there. Yeah, you just had to spread them out a little bit more. That then it would have been fine. Yeah, yeah, and, and I. I also think you're absolutely right. You hit it right on the head in terms of Thor's character. Like he did improve like mm-hmm. overall, not just because like, as you said, because of the jokes, like he felt more comfortable, like he, in his own skin, like he's more aware of who he is and what his role is in this universe. Like he's just, he has this idea. Okay. I'm this and this and that on what, unlike before where should I be King? Should I not be King? And, and all that is just gone. And now it's just, Hey, I'm Thor. What's up? Yeah, I feel that was really just a, a big step for him, and we saw that again in Infinity War. Like he, he's that character moving onwards. Yeah, he's that character now for sure, and I'm glad he is. I think I also think it worked a lot better for a lot of people just because he felt more accessible. Yeah, that way. Which um, I don't. I'm not one of these people that I think he ha- like you have to have characters be accessible for everybody. But I think by this point, it was a good decision to make and, yeah. and one that makes sense and that works. Totally. So, yeah. Um, and then again, as a, as a mythology nerd and having read countless things about Ragnarok, um, there was a lot of funny, like, little cool references to the mythology. And um, I liked what they did with Surtur and uh, how that, you know, Cate Blanchett's character couldn't hella... Um, she can't stop the destruction of Asgard, even though she wants right. to rule it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought it was cool. And then, you know, Thor going to, he starts on one of the other nine worlds and um, flies away from the dragon at the beginning and all that stuff. So yeah, it's cool. I, I like it. It's a good movie. Uh, in my opinion, I like the, the fight on the rainbow bridge on the, the Bifrost. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I got to see, Hulk. I wanted to see more, honestly, but I got, seeing watching Hulk fight uh, Fenrir, the giant Fenrir yeah. wolf, um, was pretty neat. You only see it for like a little bit, and Hulk wins. Um, yeah. I had wanted to see uh, Jormendiger, uh, the giant. Uh, I've definitely said that wrong because I don't have any kind of uh, <laughs> UK accent. But uh, the giant world serpent that kills Thor in the mythology of Ragnarok. I was kind of hoping that that would pop up and Hulk would fight that thing to save uh, Thor that way, that would have been a really neat choice, but uh, that didn't happen. But anyway, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was neat. I even like Korg, a Taika Waititi's character. Um, yeah. And all those funny... That, that's where we differ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could see that. I could see how he would be just annoying to uh, some people. It, it, it was one of those specific choices that he just went all in on. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, so that was my number five. And we're down to four. So okay, so my four is the original Avengers. Yeah, my that's that's one of my end as well, obviously. Okay, so let's talk about it. so the original Avengers twenty twelve, right? Uh, yeah, twenty twelve. The first it this was an event. <laughs> to, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, they've actually done it." They've got to this point where they put out multiple movies. Enough people have gone to see them. People enjoy them. And they're putting all these characters, same actors, same everything. They're putting them in the same movie. And they're going to fight Loki, who's like a god. And it's going to be awesome. And it didn't, it didn't disappoint. It I mean, uh, even though people point out that, you know, that entire Chichari... Oh, I can't even pronounce that name. The army. The Chichari? The Chitari, oh, yeah. Chichari, uh, army right. Coming out of somewhat nowhere was just like kind of random. Uh-huh. I didn't mind. 
it didn't matter to me. Like, it's fine. Like, what we came to watch was those guys fighting alongside one another, and they did. Yep. And, you know, they overcame obstacles, which is the entire point of superhero movies to begin with. Tony finally doing, like, the sacrifice play, which, you know, you, you had the whole sneaking up to that one, like, previously. I, you're not the one to make the sacrifice play. Like, yeah, and then he does it in the end, and, like... It's just I, I feel that was just the beginning of everything. Is it like we had Iron Man one, which was the literal beginning, but Avengers twenty twelve, just that was the one event that started everything. That was like the big bang for the Marvel universe, and I loved it, loved it. Yeah, what's the first thing you think of when you think of that movie? Because for me, it's the hero shot when they're all in the circle. Yep, and it's the you know that's that one of those show warmest scene. The shawarma scene, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked much about the post-credit scenes, but that's another thing that all the Marvel movies are famous for, all their post-credit yeah. scenes. Yeah, they just tie so well together, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, and, and because, honestly, the shawarma scene, I think that was just a joke, but they're all there. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty iconic, because they've just saved New York, or saved the world, really. Yep. And they're sitting there, and people are behind them, not really acknowledging their presence just cleaning up and none of them say a word like they're just so dead tired and i, I really love that inclusion and, and I, I remember it was included like two days before the world premiere mm-hmm. like they had to record it and edit it and color graded and everything and put it in two days before and it had to go out to every cinema in the world so they can get it like it was a rush job but it, it worked yeah, totally worth it. I th- I love that scene too. Um, pretty much everything about this movie, I really enjoyed. Uh, it's just every time I think about it, I also just think about the uh, the theater experience mm. of going to see it and just how excited oh, yeah. everybody was and how it was sold out constantly. And um, you know, the new Hulk, we got to see Mark Ruffalo as Hulk for the first time. That's um, true. Yep. And that this, you know him turning and punching turning into hulk and punching the giant alien spaceship thing was amazing uh i don't hawkeye was neat even even though a lot of people are like oh hawkeye's super lame but i i enjoyed jeremy renner and i thought he did a good job yeah, I did too. and um yeah i mean you saw some of the characters you'd seen obviously before a couple new ones um samuel jackson's nick the fury is always great uh it just this. It just felt huge, and mm. of course, and they saved the world, and it just it worked. It was everything that I think anyone could have asked for for that movie. Joss Whedon pulled it all together. He had a very typical, you know, Joss Whedon's very like one-liners, quippy oh, yeah. kind of writer. Um, he he likes that stuff a lot. So, uh, worked really well, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's one of the best Marvel movies. Oh, absolutely. And have you ever gone to the IMDb trivia section of that movie? Uh, not recently, anyway. Maybe, right. maybe it's one. Just, if everyone who's listening to this podcast and going, oh, I should rewatch Avengers, like, do, and then afterwards go to IMDb, find the, pa- find the, the page of the movie, and then go read the, the whole trivia section. It's amazing. Like, in that scene where they're in the lab and Tony is, like, wearing his Black Sabbath t-shirt and, and poking... Bruce Banner and stuff like that. Um, he's he's walking around with like a, a small bag of candy, and or or like nuts or whatever or blueberries or what I don't even remember what it was. But like that was actually 
Robert Downey Jr. would just like hit that those things around set, and then after they started shooting, he would just pick it up and start to eat. Like they were recording, <laughs> like they were shooting. No one said cut. Like he was just eating, and it was just off script. But it gives him so much depth to that character. Like I'm here, we're talking about something insane, but oh, look at that food. Like it's just it brings so much into it, which I really appreciate. And I, I feel all of them got a chance to play around with their characters. And, and that was very special. I think they needed that as well, like to get it off on the same page. Like they needed those actors to find themselves comfortable with their roles. Yeah, definitely. Uh, every All of the characters, I think, were definitely like at least fleshed out enough for this movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that's why maybe some people weren't as invested with like Hawkeye because this was the first time they saw him and... Um, you know, he the got second time, right? Was it the second time? Yeah, he was in the, in, he was in Thor. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was but very limited. Like very he was, he didn't brief. play a, a key role, but he was introduced there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was in it, um, but barely. And then the beginning of this movie, he's like mind controlled, right? For a bit. Right. So yep. it's yep. not like you're, it's not like you're learning a lot about Will Barton. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I, uh, but I think everything ended Will up. Will Barton, that's, that's from Denver. Clint Barton, right? Clint. Oh, right. Clint Barton. See, now I'm getting my MBA and my superheroes mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I wonder well, if he's Will got Barton the... Will Barton is a sniper, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if... Uh, I mean, Hawkeye, he must have a big contract for all that equipment. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, anyway. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about the Avengers was... Uh, I love the... Uh, some people might find it too cheesy or whatever, but when Hulk smashes Loki at the end and then... Yeah. delivers the one-liner of uh, puny god. That's yeah. amazing. I love that scene. Biggest reaction in the theater that night was that scene. Yeah. I still remember that vividly. And it gave way to Thor Ragnarok when Hulk gets is mashing, uh, <laughs> mashing <laughs> Thor, and then Loki's screaming, that's how it feels! <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh. You know, that was great. Avengers. That that's. I feel the Avengers is probably the most rewatchable of all the films. Yeah, I, I could agree because, with that. Yeah, you can plug it in whenever because you have the the prior knowledge. Yeah. To what's happened, and unlike the later Infinity War and stuff like that, where you have to understand the entire back catalog, like you only have to remember, oh, you know, four heroes. That's that. Like you can yep. just go off of that. Yep. And uh, the iconic score, the now iconic score of the Avengers. Yeah. So good. It, it is amazing. It really is. It is. It's fantastic. Uh, okay, so for me, I know this is another one of your tied ones, I believe. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier is my number three. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's, I mean, that's the first uh, spy thriller slash superhero film. Yep. For Marvel, which was just like I didn't believe until I saw that that you could combine those two and and become successful, and it just blew me away how they did it. Like, and that that's this is part of why like this is the contrast to Thor Ragnarok because that was this Winter Soldier is probably the most serious film in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's what I that's what I love. I mean, that's 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 just my perfect movie for, i mean it's it's serious it's a little bit dark there's a lot of like subplots in it and 
I, I just felt everything was coordinated correctly. There was even like the smaller things, like even with with Steve Rogers and and uh, you know Natasha Romanoff having paired in, in Avengers, like they were just a little bit skeptical of one another when Shield or sorry when Hydra like came out of every everything. Like they were just like, can I trust you? Like we just fought side by side in New York, but can I trust you? So like that whole spy mentality and knowing who you can trust, knowing who you can talk to, faking deaths, all these things. It just it worked. It played. And when I left the theater, I remember thinking, this took some coordination, not just from like, you know, action sequences, like, but going from scene to scene to scene and tying everything together to the way that it did, that that was a superhero job in and of itself by the, the Russo brothers. Yeah, and from two directors who came with a TV background, too. They mm-hmm. weren't even huge into film, really, at that point. And they did such a just an amazing job. I agree with you. I think it's the most, it feels like the most grounded Marvel movie. Yeah. And it feels like that from the opening sequence where uh, I'm not a huge fan of <clears throat> the first Captain America movie, um, the first Avenger. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's a little dull. But uh, this one, pretty much the opening scene when he's, you know, knocking people out with his shield and um, the choreography of the fight scenes are completely so oh, on the ship. so great. Um, yeah, yeah. At the, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it just, everything felt so much more, you know, it, it wasn't just like he's, like Avengers where he would punch a alien and the alien would go flying. Like, right. it, it, all the action was much more realistic, much more grounded. Um, you saw the choreography, therefore, there was a lot more of it. Um, it was all great. Uh, this is the movie where we got Bucky, uh, Winter Soldier, obviously, for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so that relationship just blossomed and you kind of he, obviously he was in the first avengers or the first avengers the first avenger um but like barely but you know who he is and you know what happened to him so seeing him again was really cool uh and he was an interesting villain because of that uh he's not obviously actually a villain but he plays the villain role for most of that movie and uh, because of their relationship it was that much better and yeah i just think I just think it's it's one of the best ones. It, it's neat that Marvel likes is allowing these different types of movies that are different genres within the superhero right. genre, different subgenres of a superhero genre. And uh, I I really enjoyed this one. I hope they kind of make another sort of movie like this uh, at some point. But um, Captain America was definitely the the character who you could have done that with because yeah, he just he just makes sense in that in that sort of. Uh, in that sort of genre. I'm not sure a lot of other characters would have been able to do it. Uh, so no, I think, I think that he was, he was the one yeah. and to pair him with Robert Redford as well. Oh, yeah. what a stroke of genius. Like mm-hmm. you really, I mean, you, the act, the quality of the acting and, and the historic value of the actress attached to the entire project was just brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's definitely one of the best ones. Uh, Man, if anyone hasn't seen that one, that 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 would be one of the ones I I know you need to know some things prior to that. But if you even just if you just want to watch a good a really good superhero movie, I I could just say mm-hmm. just watch this, and you would watch it and then say it's one of those movies where if you hadn't seen any of the others, I think people could watch Captain America: Winter Soldier, watch it and say, okay, I need to see the other ones now. Yeah, to understand because <laughs> that was awesome. 
Uh, it's it was, the perfect teaser. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the Marvel movies I walked out, and I, most of them I walked out thinking I enjoyed it. That was fun. That was cool. It's one of the ones, one of the very few, along with like Avengers, where I walked out saying that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that that was really cool. Okay. So my number two, also I believe one of your tied ones, and we mentioned this earlier, was Black Panther. Yeah, but yeah, that was number five for me. Oh, was it number five? Okay, so it was higher for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so not quite as high for you and really high for me. So, okay, so the reason it's so high for me is I think uh, Killmonger, for me, might be the best villain in the Marvel uh, whole MCU, whole thing. Um, I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah I, I like Thanos a lot, but Thanos hinges on uh, a lot of other stuff. Um, Mm. and just, you know, 10 years of movies kind of in the making, um, he hinges on a lot of other things. He's not, his whole thing is, uh, you know, like a universal sort of struggle and, you know, he has these motivations, he's great, whatever, but Killmonger is his, his motivations and desires and all this stuff, they're incredibly human. Thanos isn't human. It's not the same. Um, you know, He's, he's doing something that he just is for the better of the universe, you know, whatever. Uh, whereas Killmonger's like, I represent these specific people. Um, I've been screwed by this system. Um, you know, my father was wrongly murdered. All of this stuff. And for a lot of people, those are things they can relate to. Um, especially if you are a black person going to see this movie. Um, there's a lot of things you can relate to in this movie and Killmonger stands up for a lot of it. And you know what? Like there's a, they have a whole scene in that movie where Black Panther goes, he's right. I can't believe it. He's right. And he goes to talk to his own father, you know, in that sort of weird, like Black Panther place where all the, I'm not even (laughs) sure what you call that. I know that it's gotta be a name from the comics. I don't know what it is. I've never read Black Panther, but whatever that place is with the awesome stars and the purple, like sunset kind of thing, there's just Panthers walking around. Uh, the, and he's yelling at his father about this, saying, like, you know, you did him wrong. You, he's not entirely a monster because he, like, I understand what, what he's saying. And there mm. are certain things he's talking about that he's right. Because at the beginning of this movie, Black Panther never, he can't fathom the idea of sharing all the Wakanda's technology with the world. And by the end of the movie, going all this stuff, going through all the stuff with Killmonger, he decides, you know what? No, I need to do this, but we're going to do it right. We're not going to just do it the way he wants to do it, and you know, right. arm everyone or certain people, and you know, just cause new war and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that whole arc um, makes for it made for a fantastic film. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought the commentary wasn't too heavy handed. Uh, I thought it was mm. adeptly done. Um, I think Ryan Coogler is one of the best young directors that we have. Um, he's only done three movies, and I've loved all three of them. Uh, this movie, Fruitvale Station, and Creed. And, uh, oh, Creed was great. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah. he's fantastic. Um, so I really enjoyed this. Um, I liked Michael B. Jordan, and um, Chadwick Boseman, I think, is a great Black Panther. Um, Shuri was a fun character, new character. Oh, I loved her. She's loved great. Loved her. Yeah, she's great. Um, so yeah, just just it one. It's my second favorite Marvel movie, um, and uh, I think it's maybe the best at doing what it's trying to do. I get that. I can get behind that thinking. The only thing I didn't like about it, really, like if I have to get really pitnicky, sure. uh, the 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 rhinos in armor. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even think of they that. were. Yeah, that was just like. What are you doing right now? 
Yeah. But outside of that, I mean, look, you had to have some action. I get it. I get that you had to have several conflicts at the same time. Makes mm-hmm. sense. So you could have the whole, you know, Black Panther, Killmonger fight. And also the demise of Killmonger was done very tastefully. Yes, it was. Yeah. Even even his final line about, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but basically that he's not going to rot behind bars. Um, yeah. Like, like he'd rather every, die. Yeah, he'd rather die, which... You know, that's a it's a very poignant line to make um, in this kind of movie. And it was the great sort of send-off for him uh, and his whole character. It was consistent the whole way through. And mm-hmm. uh, it just and it was great. And the whole thing, you know, I love how he affects T'Challa's character. I really think the play between those two characters works. And it just uh, was one of the best in the whole Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. And yep. it just made him one of the best villains. And for me, that matters a lot. Because I, I think heroes are often only as great as their villains and uh so it was really cool to uh to see him done so well uh you know there there's some other things that are like in the movie that I could have been better um uh, i guess like the you know the the second time like this movie takes place pretty much right after civil war right i believe yeah yeah so he's coming back he's not king yet he has to fight um umbaku i believe Mm. Uh, and he fights him, becomes king, and then per, oh, not long after that, he immediately has to go fight again. And, I mean, at that point, you know he's going to lose. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, are we really going to go through this whole thing? Okay, here we go. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so, it's okay, like, because for some reason, like, you, even though you knew it, like, you were still looking forward to that fight because yeah. it had so much drama intensity behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, that's, yeah, like, that was predictable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was like, do we really need two like, like waterfall fights in the same movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it was fine. It's a small, it's a nitpicky thing. But uh, yeah. other than that, nah, really enjoyed it. Thought it was fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's my number two. Um, and then okay, so I think I'm pretty sure my number one's not on your list from something you said earlier. So what's the one remaining on your list? Iron Man one. Oh, Iron Man 1. Okay, so for me, right, that was number 8 for me. Okay, so you go yeah. on Iron Man 1. Look, that it started everything. Tony just, you know, or, see, I, I said Tony when I meant Robert Downey Jr. It's, it's the same person. It doesn't even <laughs> matter anymore. Yep. The, the way that he just carried that whole thing and he rejuvenated, I mean, I want to say he rejuvenated the entire superhero landscape for Marvel because they had been struggling for a long time. You know, the Spider-Man movies had really flopped in the third one. You know, you had the 2002 uh, Hulk film with Eric Bana, which was just not good. Like, they couldn't really figure out how to do things. And then, boom, here came the perfect character, or the perfect actor for the perfect character at the perfect time. And the way he launched himself into this adventure it just had everything. It had the emotional suspense of, oh, will will he survive this kidnapping? And oh, we really get the the, the Tony Stark character of the ego and 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 the uh, the bravada and and all these things. And then he just transformed on screen. Like I don't know, I don't know how long the movie was. Like two hours, two hours and fifteen or something. Like it it, it wasn't like an, mm-hmm. an un, ungodly amount of, of minutes, right? I don't feel it was. It no. wasn't like insane. Yeah. Um, and then, but but it just it packed everything in so tight to the point where I felt that there's not one single wasted scene. 
which I really thought was impressive. And that the Marvel Universe has sort of continued with that trend. And I think they looked back at Iron Man and just looked at that model and went, okay, so this became a huge success. What happened? Like, how did we close every scene? What did we do to advance the plot? What did we do to this and this and that? Like, it just laid the entire groundwork for how they were going to build this universe up. And the fact that they had the balls to, at the end of the movie, in the post-credit, you know, mention the Avengers initiative. In the first damn movie, that was just so impressive to me. Like, okay, I'm in. Like, yep, that I, I was just sold. I was sold immediately. Yeah, at that point, it was one of those things where you're kind of like, okay, that's, you know, that's nice. We've seen a lot of movies that have, um, <laughs> you know, that have tried to set things up that uh, didn't yep. go anywhere. Uh, <clears throat> Dark Universe. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it was one of those things where you're like, okay, and then, but but they were serious, you know. It's, so, it's cool to look back now and be like, okay, yeah, they were all in, you know. Um, they weren't necessarily sure what was going to happen along the way, but they were set dead set on doing this, and uh, it's so cool to see that now looking back. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was it's such a great one to start with, especially because Iron Man wasn't like a really well known character at that point, mm-hmm. and just Robert Downey Jr. of course being so perfect for it, and um, Jeff Bridges, man, Oh, uh, he was so good. Loved he was Jeff so Bridges. good. Yeah. I just I think that was just the perfect combination. Had you started the, this franchise with The Incredible Hulk, which came out the same year, 2008, yeah. mm-hmm. it just wouldn't have had the same impact at all. No. Or or the no, I was about to say Winter Soldier, no, uh the first Avenger, like the Captain America yeah, first right. Avenger Thor, like none of those things would have worked. You had to do something where a man, a human being did something amazing on his own accord. Like mm-hmm. where it wasn't like, oh, I was hit by acid or, oh, I have gamma rays, whatever. Like, no, he he got blown up, he got fixed, and then he used that technology to design something on his own intelligence, off his own creativity, and, and built something. I think that's just so essential that you had to start with someone doing something extraordinary. Yeah, it was really one of those... Um... You know, characters at a at the peak of what what his life is, and then it all falls apart, and um, he's sent to the you know basically the, in this case a real cave, and uh, yeah. Yeah. he's he's sent there, and you know he has to build himself back up, and it's like what you see in um, the Dark Knight Rises. Literally, ha- also has like a the oh. hole, not a cave, but he has the hole he has to fight back in after his back gets broken by Bane. It's the same type of thing, and. Uh, this happens much earlier, of course, in the movie, and he has to find his own way out and and sort of look and you know and see what 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 you know his company's been you know they make weapons and um, mass produce this stuff and he has to kind of see the results of that and what happens with that and it changes him as a character and that's that's the the quintessential part of Iron Man is like he makes himself like this suit and. You know, it's basically a giant weapon. He's a living weapon with a suit on, and uh, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't use it the same, obviously, as what was happening before with you know just selling people. He decides now that now he's going to use all this technology to help people, and it's what you know changes everything for him and makes him a really neat character and one you want to root for because other other outside of that, you're 
you're just kind of like, okay, this guy's really funny, but he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. He yeah. had to have that arc to yeah. make him relatable. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And they had the, uh, it's Black Sabbath, right? That plays the Iron Man song. And yeah. 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 And when he knocks the, uh, the tank missile or whatever away oh, and it yeah. explodes yeah. behind him and he does the slow walk away uh that's a iconic scene it is and, a, and when he said he's all yours yeah when he yeah 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 uh, and the, there's just so many great scenes and the ingenious idea by i, I believe it was favaro's idea to the to do the um the close-up with tony stark inside the mask um, oh really yeah interesting because it was a great way because one of the issues that superhero movies always had was actors you wouldn't see their faces and the actors are like well you gotta see my face you know right like, i'm acting <clears throat> you know <laughs> yeah um i want them to see my face blah 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 and it would always be tough that's why you see in a lot of movies especially older ones i mean like look at even the spider-man's the raimi spider-man's peter's mask is off half the time in those movies yeah um, it's because, it has to be. yeah, you need to see the actor's face. You just have to. And so it was a great idea, just a masterful idea by Favreau to say, okay, well, what if we cut inside the mask and you could see, mm. you could see, um, Robert Downey Jr. Acting and talking and stuff. You could get to see him just inside and talking to Jarvis. And so he's not just talking to himself. And, um, at the same time, every time you cut away, he's fully in the suit and, uh, it, it worked and, it, and they've used it every a new director who's had the character since has used that because it works perfectly. Um, yeah. Just such a great idea for that character, which uh, I really liked because it's such a small thing, but it, it matters so much, um, you know, because you don't want to see Iron Man flying around with like no helmet on. Like that's one of the coolest parts about Iron Man. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got a new suit. It's it's to save cost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd be wearing like a football helmet or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, that's a good point. And and yeah, it was an ingenious way to do it because the audience so quickly uh, get accustomed to that cut. I mean, you, you just when you see an Iron Man movie now, like if that cut isn't there, you'll notice immediately. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Iron Man, um, great movie. The one that started it all. Uh, quick correction. I think I said Banna earlier when I meant to say Brana for Thor. Yeah. Um, I'm going through the names too quickly and my head's getting jumbled, but, uh, mm. yes. Um, Kenneth Brana, <laughs> Gildoy Lockhart himself. He directed the first Thor, um, oh. before people who listen to this just come at me. Yeah. He was also in, uh, what just came out? Um, Poirot, the murder on the Orient Express. Also a good movie. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's fun. It's good. Good enough to make a sequel, apparently. So. Oh. Yeah. Um, that's a good movie. Uh, okay, so my number one is one that I don't. I don't even know if it made your list, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One is my number one Marvel movie. I, I had that as like sort of a ten. I had two. I had two titles at ten. Okay. Doctor Strange and Guardian of, of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. It's my number one. Uh, Wait, don't you have Infinity War on your list? Uh, did we not talk about Infinity War? Oh, God. No, I do have I it. It's it's number seven for me. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have it. Okay. Okay, we'll talk about uh, Guardians first, then we'll go to Infinity War. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so Guardians, for me, oh, my God. Uh, I 
so I didn't know anything. I remember it was like two, two summers or maybe a summer before this movie came out. One of my friends who went to film school, he's a big film nerd, he sent me this thing and he said, hey, look, you know those Marvel movies? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it's, there's this rumor that they're going to do a movie that basically has a raccoon and a talking tree in it. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds really stupid. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it does. And the whole time building up to it, we're like, this is, this sounds awful. And the trailer came out and yeah. I was like, Hey, this doesn't look nearly as awful as I thought. And I went to see that movie and I loved it. Couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that James Gunn had pulled this off. The opening sequence is my favorite sequence in Marvel movies, where Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord, is dancing uh, through the credits uh, on the planet. It tells you everything you need to know about him without, you know, having to do any dialogue at all. Um, Yeah. you You get the typical, like, whatever, the mom dying scene, you know, kind of sad kind of thing right before that. But really, for me, the movie starts when that scene begins. And, you know, he, you know that he's kind of like this, um, you know, trashy kind of fake kind of tough boy and he's going to search for things. And what he does is he goes and, you know, smuggles things, looks for things. He's kind of like doing an Indiana Jones thing where he's trying to steal whatever, but he's so nonchalant about it or yeah, nonchalant about it. And, um, he just, it's fantastic. He even kicks the, or he grabs the lizard and he's like singing into it like a microphone. And, <laughs> and it, and it, you know, and one of the defining features about this movie is the fact that like, it's called volume one. It's, it's the, it goes along with the soundtrack, the eighties music. Mm. Um, the, all of the songs are great. Uh, and it just, it just starts off so well for me. And from that moment on, like I'm hooked already. And yeah. as soon as I'm locked in, I'm like, okay, you got me. Let's see the tree and the raccoon. Um, and the whole rest <laughs> of the way, I I was just absorbed. Yeah. No, it, it definitely, I mean, whatever expectation you had going in, <clears throat> even if you were excited for it, like, it lived up to that and more. I mean, it really did. Uh, the, the, the ensemble was cast perfectly, I feel. Like, the way they play off one another, yep. that's just, that the mesh is just so great. The only reason I have it this low is because I, I'm still digging, like, the superhero angle of it. And they're not really, like, if you look at it from a really strict perspective, like, it is an entirely different branch of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I greatly appreciate Guardians of the Galaxy. But, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit more Earthbound, like, in my preference for, for the films. But as soon as we go out to space, I mean, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. They, 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 those are the guys, when I, whenever we go, like, in, instead of going to Thor's, uh, you know, outside of, you know, how many worlds did he go to, like, outside of Asgard? He, they had the Nine Realms, and, you know, that just didn't really pique my interest. But with Guardians of the Galaxy, like, when they go to nowhere, yeah. like, that was just I, so, I mean, so intoxicating, really. That this was ahead of a known entity beforehand, and you know this entire new way of looking at things, and it was it was just breathtaking. It definitely was. So it's not a knock on the on the film that I have it solo. It's just personal preference in terms of what I look at from the character's perspective. But from a storytelling perspective, I would probably put Guardians in the top five. 
Yeah, it's a space opera. Um, yeah. It's very much, it's very different from the rest. Um, but I love it for that. I love it, what it's able to do. Uh, it's got so many great elements to it. All the actors are fantastic. Even John C. Riley as like, Oh yeah. He, I, he's every, always great though. <laughs> yeah. Every scene he's in, I started laughing. I mean, like his, his, his line where he's delivering the message to his, uh, superior. And he says that he says, uh, he's delivering star Lord's message. And he says that, um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be a dick about it or whatever. And she's like, do you believe that? And he says, I, I don't believe anyone's 100% a dick, ma'am. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like that's, it's great. Uh, the yep. jokes in that movie work for me so well. And yet they mesh with, you know, the serious stuff when they're like, they're stuck in prison and the relationships as, you know, Groot and Rocket are already like a, a duo, a tandem. Um, and uh, Star-Lord kind of, you know, getting feelings for Gamora slowly and teaching her stuff about Earth and, um, you know, just becoming friends with the other two because they all have that mm-hmm. that singular goal of they want to get paid, they want money, that they're, they're kind of pretty much mercenaries, um, and it's just it, it's it's I don't know it's one of the it's my favorite movie uh, of the Marvel movies and it's uh, in my opinion the best because I I think it I, there's no moment in the movie that I think I'd take this out or I don't I don't need this um, it's extremely well paced uh, it is. All, Absolutely. Yeah, all the jokes work for me really well. It's really mm. colorful, like you expect from this kind of movie. Like, if it had been muted tones, it would have been really weird. Like, this movie needs to be colorful. Um, yeah. This was the first appearance of, like, Jack Pratt of... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of oh, my God, that got a lot of screen time. Yeah, yeah. post-Parks and Recreation, Chris Pratt, where he's yeah. he's now... Chubby, in, Andy yeah. Dwyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But you write about like the humorous will be. But here's the thing: what I th- I, th- I think Guardians did so well, like even though it was very you know humor riddled, it you still had these very emotional moments that at no point seemed out of place. Like mm-hmm. organically, every moment to moment came. Or I should say, every moment to moment came very organically. Yes. Which in in a film is pretty rare. Like yeah, and I think the chemistry between the actors just enhanced so much. Like especially Pratt and, and Zoe Saldana, they they just had something special. And then when you throw Dave Bautista in there, oh yeah, who's really a comedic genius without realizing it. He's great. Uh, yeah, he is. Like, and for some reason, like in real life, he's like, oh, I I don't do anything well. Like he's really self-deprecating and doesn't really see his own value. And I think that plays to his strength. Like when he does things, like maybe if he's you know, a little bit ignorant about his own strengths as an actor, I think that could play in his favor, really. It just works. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper, I, oh, how they lined up Bradley Cooper's lines to mesh with everyone else's, that was just I Oscar-worthy. Yep. Yeah. Rocket's great. I always forget that it's Bradley Cooper because it doesn't even, it doesn't sound like Bradley Cooper at all. His voice for Rocket is really great. Um, Groot, everyone loves Groot. Uh, mm-hmm. We are Groot. Hashtag. Um, it, two thousand takes were with Vin Diesel. He did two thousand <laughs> different I am Groot versions that were recorded. It's amazing. Like it's so. Like when I heard it was Vin Diesel, I was like, oh yeah, we're getting the Iron Giant, but he's a tree now. This is gonna be amazing. Yeah. 
I get so excited. Um, yeah, and he only says that one line, and yet he has so many variants of it. Um, and you get, and everyone loves that character. Like what he's done for that character was is just incredible. Everybody cared when Groot, you know, died at the end. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, nothing feels out of place. Even like in some other movies, that would be so weird for me. Like when the end, the climax of the movie, when you know Star Lord's like, oh yep, we're gonna do a dance battle with uh, the Kree character um yeah it's like that in a lot of movies i'd be like what are we doing here like what just happened um but for this movie that it doesn't affect the tone so much that it's really as sticking out as a sore thumb it it works right because that's who star lord is he would totally do that but but still at the same time when i saw it the first time i was like wtf <laughs> like i, I it, it I took me that. a minute to get there yeah i mean where you really went are, are we really doing this? It's, oh my god! Yeah, we're really doing this. It's a little yeah. jarring because it's right in the middle of an action scene. Like, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's right before one and right in the middle of one. It's like the, it pauses for this, but I, yeah. I, I totally accepted it. So, um, yeah, it's it's like one of the only movies that I could be like, yep, that's okay. I get it. Mm. Um, I'm I'm cool with that. Karen Gillian or Karen Gillan, actually, I I think as Nebula. Yeah. I think she tied everything together as well mm-hmm. in both movies because yeah. she plays this very dynamic character with so much, you know, so much emotion in her for a variety of reasons that comes out in many different ways, right. and which I think the Guardians can respond to. And that was just, for me, a, a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, okay, so that is my favorite number one. Okay, so the one we haven't talked about yet is Infinity War. Okay, so yeah. you started on Infinity War. Oh, you, you had it at seven? I had it at seven, yeah. Wow, that's I, I thought it'd be higher. I mean, yeah, that is, it's just so far, <laughs> we haven't seen the full culmination of everything. We'll see that next year. But this was just, like, everything that lead, led up to this and it didn't disappoint. Like this was ten years in the making, ultimately speaking. And when you have such a buildup, like disappointment is pretty common. Let's be honest. And instead, like everything they did in this movie, they just came out on top. They had emotion. They had action. They had all these things that just tied together so well. But what really has it up so high for me is for two weeks after I saw this movie, it was in my mind. For two weeks, I kept going back at it daily again and again and again. Like, oh, this happened. Oh, this happened too. I've only seen it once. I still, I should have watched it twice in the theater, but I only saw it once and I can't wait to get the Blu-ray home when it's out because I have to watch it like two times. Or three times, like within the same week, to just see did I miss anything? And oh, it just stuck on me so well. And and you just know that you know you had Thanos, a villain who actually worked, who was emotional. Usually, I'm against the whole CGI villain angle. Yeah, but this was like motion, you know, motion capped, uh, captured, and Josh Brolin just hit it out of the ballpark. His voice was so authentic, so deep. Yeah, and all these guys coming together and girls to coming together to fight him and like the, the common goal and all these different characters interacting 
and and they did so without a hitch. Like people who'd never paired up before, like you know Tony and and Strange. That dynamic was wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and and it came out of nowhere. Like you know, the true Sherlock Holmes just hit it off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think someone asked Cumberbatch about the how come there was nobody making a no shit Sherlock joke. Yeah, and uh, he's like, yeah, that would have been way too cheesy. <laughs> Um, which I agree with him, but that's also, it's still funny. I still wanted it. Yeah, I still, still kind of wanted, wanted it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really a culmination movie. It's the culmination of 10 years. It's, it's, it feels like a third act. Like the whole movie feels like a third act, um, yeah. of this giant creation. We finally get to see Thanos. Josh Brolin is here. He's amazing. Uh, we get to see his power, all this stuff. Um, that we've been waiting so long to see. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's full of action. Um, the movie, because of all the stuff you already know, it doesn't pause a lot to, to dive really deeply into anything because it doesn't need to, or it doesn't, it's not really supposed to. That's not the point of this movie. Um, and it's Thanos's movie, which, uh, a lot of people, um, I'm not sure totally get, but this movie, the whole arc of the movie revolves around Thanos. Not any of the heroes. It's a villain's movie, which is different. Um, definitely different. And uh, and it works. Um, you get to see Thanos at the beginning and at the end. And, you know, he is a changed character by the end because, one, he thinks he succeeds. And uh, at the very end, you know, he, he does. He wins. He, at this point, By this point, Thanos has won. And, uh, but, you know, at what cost? He had to kill his daughter. Um, so, you know, she's dead. He's been, he's been affected by a lot of things, obviously throughout the course of the film. Um, and, uh, the heroes too are going through a lot, but none of them, I don't think specifically have really any, um, not, not one specific arc because again, that's not this kind of movie. It's a very interesting film to look at, um, from the perspective of it being a singular film as opposed to, uh, like this kind of, this culmination thing. And I think that's something that, like, has been um, difficult for some, like, film critics to go through because a lot of film, as a film critic, you want to, your job is to criticize or, you know, give a review of a film, a film you go to see, a singular film. Um, and it is a singular film, but at the same time, it's not like almost any other film. I'm not sure we've ever had anything like this, that it's just so many years have been put into this one thing, and without it, it's it's not the same. If you just watch this without having seen any of the other Avengers movies, I'm not sure it works like almost at all the same. You might still enjoy it, but I mean, would you care about Gamora dying? Would you care about Thanos finally showing up? Would you care about Spider-Man, um, you know, fading away? Like all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, would you care at all about Black Panther who, um, you know, he doesn't have a huge role in this, even though his movies was so great. Would you, if you hadn't seen Black Panther, would you care? Um, it's 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 one of these movies that it it baffles me a little bit, and I, I am thinking about it a lot as well. But I'm thinking about it. I find myself thinking about it more in that way, um, and uh, yeah. so I, I confuse myself a little bit about it because I really enjoyed it. Um, but in terms of like it being a singular film, I feel like it is inherently flawed. But those flaws are exactly what makes it what it is. I get that. I think. I think for me as well, this was Marvel finally geeking out, like really yeah. geeking out, going all the way through it, like just no holes bare, just saying, you know what? 
you know our characters, you know what they can do, you know what they can't do, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, you know their personality traits. So we're not going to introduce anything really to you. We are just going to take you on a ride. We are going to go through all the geeky items you've spent years reading about in comics. And we're just going to let you experience things firsthand. I, I appreciate that so much. And that's this is part of also why I, for example, I loved uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. You don't get spoken down to. And that's essential for me when I'm watching a movie, that I don't get spoken down to. And I felt sometimes you have some of the Marvel movies where they kind of try to explain stuff a little bit too much. There's Mm -hmm. a little bit too much exposition. Mm -hmm. But in this one, like, it's just, hey, you know, ready, set, go. All all the way through. I I felt they were speaking to me eye to eye. And I appreciate that so much. Yeah, this movie really doesn't have the time for that. Uh, It really just has to, it just has to go. It, it, it's... It's this movie that says, like, okay, if you didn't see everything else before this, you're probably not going to see this anyway. But if you haven't seen all this before this, too bad. Uh, because right. all of this is going to be stuff based on what's been, you know, the 10 years we've been leading up to this. Like, all the Infinity Stones, that whole storyline, uh, now it's it's finally it's culminating here. So if you haven't seen mm-hmm. any of it, sorry, but we really don't have time to tell you about it. Um, you know, you're just going to have to go off it. Which, which I think, like, the people who have seen all the movies, like you're saying, they really appreciate that. And because because we don't want to hear <laughs> we don't want to hear about it again we just want to go um, Thanos is here now let's do it and as for everyone else like again it would be way too long too much exposition to go through and there's no reason for Thanos to um, explain it he doesn't feel like he has to explain anything really uh, he talks a little bit about his plan but like for the most part you know you get it just through visuals and memories and stuff um, so yeah so and you know like and this movie. Uh, it does have stakes, obviously. Uh, like characters die right off from the bat. Like it introduces <laughs> right right from the very beginning. This movie is like, yep, people are gonna die, and yeah. <laughs> you know, right. And this movie like basically takes place like the start of this movie takes place right after Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. and so literally like ten minutes later. Yeah, like ten most. minutes. Yeah. So if you're if you've just watched Thor Ragnarok, you've literally just seen Asgard explode, and. You're like, okay, well, you know, he Thor managed to keep most of his people. Well, guess what? Now they're, like, almost all dead. Mm. And um, Loki is killed. Uh, Heimdall is killed. Um, these characters we've known for quite a while. And like, just immediately. And uh, thrown aside, um, you know, almost as their, their deaths aren't that important. Uh, Loki gets a little bit more of a, a better send-off than Heimdall does. Um, even though Heimdall does manage to blast Hulk to Earth, which obviously is very important. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like this is the kind of this movie. Is, this is what this movie is. It shows you what it is immediately. It doesn't pull any punches. It goes for it. Um, and you know, I think especially if you're if you're a younger viewer, like if you're old enough to see this, but you're not someone maybe who follows movies all the time, or if you're or if you're younger. Uh, this movie, I feel like, would have much more of an impact. Like, what, when you watch all the characters die, the newer characters. Um, yeah. If you're somebody who follows film like me all the time, or you're just a big, like, you know, you love Marvel movies and stuff, you know there's going to be another Spider-Man movie. So you know Spider-Man's not dead forever. Um, but if you don't know any of that, that that's like oh, a yeah, gut-wrenching... Yeah, that's a gut punch. Yeah, especially with someone like... I, for me, 
Um, and it was mostly just Tom Holland's acting, but the, the Spider-Man death scene for me was yeah. the most brutal because he was just, it's just a kid who's terrified of dying. Yeah. Um, and you know, and he, he's a kid, he's never thought of it. He is, he's so innocent. He's that wide eyed wondered character mm-hmm. and, and Tony Stark's right there. And that's that character who's been his father figure and he can't save him. And he just watches him turn to ash in front of him. And you know, all he says is that I don't want to go. And then he's ripped away. So you know that kind of stuff. Like it's that's emotional. Uh, it, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, my son has seen not not that one. He's seen every Marvel movie except that one. Mm-hmm. And we're still like it's it's been months, but my wife and I we're still debating. Yeah, like, should he should he actually get to watch this? He's six, so we were mm. pretty early out on it. But like he started watching Marvel movies when he was like four. Okay, but. That, that, I mean, he saw him with us, so we thought like we could explain him stuff, and like he's he's done well, like no nightmares and stuff. Yeah. But I'm so afraid that this one, this one would just scar him. Yeah. So I just I've kind of left it out, like oh okay, when you get a little bit older, right? Yeah. But I, I but at, at the same time, I'm also like, no, because it, this might be really good for you to, to see this film, and like you would really like get an emotional response out of it. So I'm thinking like next year when the next movie is out, like very close to the next adventures, mm-hmm. like we go through all of them again and he gets to watch like infinity war. Yeah. Gets sad for like a week mm-hmm. and then we go watch the new one. So it just bridges the whole experience. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that's one of the good things about, um, art, be it high art or low art. The, uh, the idea of dealing with, uh, intense themes of like real life themes but doing it through art so you're you're safe you're right. in a safe place i think that's one of the best things about about art in general and even if it's something like infinity war that's like most people probably consider like it's not high art or anything but you know it it's still something like that deals with this stuff uh in this movie uh more than probably any of the other ones um except for maybe some of the stuff with captain america but that's just him like dwelling on something. So this is like right in front of your face. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I do think what it, what it's trying to do, it did it really well. Um, just for me, uh, the reason I had it lower on my list was just because uh, wh- what it was doing was uh, is what I expected. And it, yeah. did it, it did it really well. And all the action was great and everything. But all the stuff I really cared about, I cared about because of the other movies. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. They laid the groundwork, and that's really what you're focusing on. I, I get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm also just like I'm a big story person more than any mm-hmm. other element of the movie. Like a movie can be gorgeous and have great actors and um, even just even great dialogue or whatever. But if the uh, but if the overall story and the characters and whatever doesn't if there's if there's one if there's not a lot of it, which like again this movie doesn't really have a lot of it. It doesn't need to. It's not supposed to. Um, right. But it just doesn't because it doesn't need to. So that stuff still missing for me. I'll walk out and be like, that was fun, but uh, it's not the most of what I want out of a out of a film, even a Marvel film. Yeah, I, I get that. I don't know. I mean, I, if if they, I see a movie where the story is lacking, I tune out almost immediately. Mm-hmm. I can't. I just I I cannot get invested in it if the story is is you know just horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's really rough. Uh, when that happens with certain movies, but, uh, you know, that's why I like, uh, my favorite genre of film is the coming of age genre because Mm. those those typically have the very, uh, 
you know, very emotional type stories that of, of, of changing at a, right. you know, at whatever age you might be typically younger, but, um, yeah. So any movie like that, uh, I, I tend to enjoy quite a bit. So it's one of the things I liked about Spider-Man that they decided to try and do that there. Um, mm. Yeah, it's I mean, we've had Spider-Man trying to be the coming of age. We had like the the spy thriller yep. in Winter Soldier, like the like you said the space opera with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of different themes just thrown in, and it just plays. And and the Marvel universe has made it work for for ten years. And hey, let's go for for ten more. Yeah, we'll have to see what kind of uh, what kind of movie Captain Marvel is. Um, Kind of interesting oh, about that. I'm so much forward to that movie. She, she takes place in the the nineties, right? Eighties uh, or nineties? I don't 80s. remember if the, it's the eighties or nineties. I'm I'm hoping it's the nineties because Wonder Woman two is going to be in the eighties, so it'd right. just be like yeah, a yeah. little bit different. I would appreciate that. Yeah, that I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, I think mm. I think that could be really cool, depending on what kind of genre they want to do there. But yeah. uh, but I like Brie Larson, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, I do too. She was wonderful in Skull Island. Yeah, she was. She was good. Um, she was also in uh, Trainwreck with LeBron James. She was. I uh, saw that one. That that was that was one I did not enjoy. Not because, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. a big fan of it either. I'm not a I'm not yeah. a Sh- Amy Schumer fan. So. No, I'm not. I, I like. I I know a lot of people are like you don't like Amy Schumer. Just, no, just not my style. You know. It's, yeah. But we're all subjective, and like we're all different people. I get it. Yeah, yeah. She's a very uh, raunchy type of comedy. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But uh, like LeBron James in that movie, though. Uh, <laughs> he's in. He's only, he's only in look, it for like a couple for, scenes. Yeah. Look forward to Space Jam too, then. Oh my God! If that happens, like I don't even know. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna watch it like forever, like on repeat. <laughs> Like, I don't even know, like, I, I, the first one is so, like, I recognize, like, how not good it is, and yet I love it. It's, wow. Space Jam the is The Raptors should really be the Monstars, because at the end of the day, LeBron eats their souls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. And I don't even want to talk about where the Jurassic Park franchise has gone. My God. Yeah, that's a, that's a topic for a different day. That's um, a topic for a different day, because, the. Yep. Uh, you know, that's where the Raptors come from, and man, I have to hear that all the time. It's just, oh, you're the fan of the team that got its name from a movie? Wow. And so I always have to be like, yeah, I can't really defend that. It's the truth. You should just switch it to the Huskies and get it over with, really. <laughs> I don't mind the Huskies. Huskies would have been okay. Yeah, it would have um, been Need some better throwback jerseys, though. They're just blue. Oh, yeah. They're just blue. Yeah, those were awful. Yeah. Yep. I like the purple Dino ones, though. They're great. Yeah, yeah, the old school from the '99, the Vince Carter era. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they're dope. They're yeah. dope. All right, um, I won't hold you up too much longer. Uh, thank you for coming on, Mort. I really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Joshua. This was really nice. I don't get a, a chance so often to talk about movies, uh, especially in English, because you know, <laughs> I do have a Danish podcast. But yeah, just go check out my Twitter. Um, it's uh, at msjnba um, where I, I I tweet with a bunch of you know you and, and a bunch of other NBA nerds, uh, yeah. And I, I write for GiveMeSport.com, uh, the NBA version, and uh, I have a podcast named the NBA Podcast with Brian Topark. Uh We are on our fourth fourth season now, just started. 
uh, talked about a lot about free agency and the draft, so you can go back and, and listen to those if you want. Awesome, yeah. Brian's a good guy. I had Brian on here also uh, a little while ago. We talked about, like, I think we talked about DeAndre Jordan, and I don't think either of us thought he was actually going to end up on the maps. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brian is yeah. a good guy. He's actually going to come to Denmark here this month. Oh, that's awesome. Are you going to do yeah. a pod, like a live pod? Maybe. We're, we're talking about it. We're trying to set up, but he's only going to be here in two day, for two days because wow. he, he and his wife is traveling Europe. So ah. we have to be very observant about the time, but uh, we're hoping to do something. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that sounds really cool. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to know where to find it, um, it's on bumpers.fm or the bumpers app. If you have that, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at writers, right pod, uh, where links to the episodes will be posted. And until then you can follow me as well at howvolution on Twitter and you can find my own online work at Raptors Republic, occasionally B-Ball Breakdown, and Scene Creek is where I will post uh, movie articles and opinions and things. Uh, my last latest one I did was um, Top 5 Toy Story, or not Top 5 Toy Story, wow. Top 5 Pixar movies, Toy Story's in there. <laughs> top 5 Pixar films, uh, that was for The Incredibles 2 when it came out, which also if you have not seen that, go see that, it's a good movie. Um, other than that, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.